This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. What happens when a washed-up boxer accepts a championship bout on a distant planet? Some fighters might see it as a new chance for glory in the ring. But to Slugs Doherty, it just might be a one-way rocket to Palookaville. Yeah, you're probably wondering what I'm doing here on this crate. Headed back to Earth from the planet Asimov 3. And with a championship belt and the better part of 750 Norams in my pockets. Never in my life did I figure I'd get one last bout and win. (laughs) Yeah, and them guys were bet against me? Never in their life did they figure. Huh? Oh, yeah, sorry. The name's Slugs Doherty. I'm a boxer. A pugilist, some might say. Maybe you heard of me? No? Oh, well, I had a pretty good run, I guess. Heavyweight champ for 10 years running, 23-19 to 23-29. Yeah, I beat them all, from Jumpin' Jim Jackson to Vince Rockamata. Put me in the ring with a guy, I don't even see him, you know. I just tear him down. And that's the way it went as I was coming up. All through them 10 years as champ, nobody could stop me. I tore them all down. I showed no mercy. But eventually, well, I found out that the only guy that could stop me was me. Slugs, how many times I gotta tell ya? Cut back on that rich life, kid. You're eating too much, drinking too much, spending too much. You're no good to me this way, no good to the profession. Ah, what's the use? It's like talking to a brick wall. Mark my words, Slugs Doherty. That thick Irish skull will be your downfall someday. Yeah, Eddie. I'm sorry about all that. I could have had a couple of more good years, I guess, if I'd listened to you. (sighs) But I got softs around the gut, you see, and my jaw turned to glass, and younger kids with hardly no meat on their bones were suddenly tearing me down. After I lost that last bout, I hung up my gloves for good. Didn't even want to help Eddie train new blood for the ring. I was ashamed and disgusted with myself. And, of course, things went downhill from there. Oh, it's a typical sad story. I don't got to tell you the details. Finally, I was living hand to mouth. I'd lost all that extra weight I'd gained, I can tell you. And then some. There was days when I couldn't hardly scrape two norams together for a crust. I was on my uppers with no prospects in sight. 
Nobody wanted a palooka like me, so I decided to end it. Say so long to this crummy old world. The government had a long time ago set up force fields to keep desperate citizens from jumping off of bridges, so I had to come up with some other plan. I was already starving, but I read someplace that it could take a guy a few weeks to starve himself to death, and it wouldn't be pleasant while it was happening, so that was out. After a few days of pretty fierce panhandling, I'd accumulated enough cash I figured that I could drink myself to death. Come cheer up, blast to glory, we steer. Try something more to this wonderful year. To honor, we call you. <sighs> to honor, we call you as freemen, not slaves. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, you crumbums. You crumbums won't have Slug's Doherty to kick around no more, no more, no more. That's right. <coughs> Come cheer up, my lads, tis to glory we steer. To add something more to this wonderful year. I beg your pardon. Oh, that's all right, mister. You didn't do nothing. <coughs> <clears throat> Say, Polly, you lost. You sure don't look like you're from around here. No, that's true. Hmm. Did I overhear you mention your name? Are you Slugs Doherty? No. Not anymore. N not for a long time. Jim. That's my name. Call me Jim. Mr. Doherty, I represent the owner of an interplanetary sporting concern headquartered on a small planet in the Horsehead Nebula. Oh, yeah? That's nice. Good for you. No, Mr. Doherty, I'm afraid you don't understand. My employer has heard of you and was quite impressed with your record of championship. Championship? Hmm? Oh, yeah, 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 championship. I was champ. A long time, uh, a long time ago. And I have been authorized to offer you a chance to reclaim some semblance of your past glory, should you desire to do so. Huh? You say I bear some resemblance to old glory? <laughs> Three cheers for the red, white, and blue. <laughs> That's a good one, Mac. Should you accept my employer's offer, he is quite prepared to compensate you in a more than adequate fashion. Adequate? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened to me. I got old and fat and adequate. <laughs> adequate. <laughs> Somewhere in the neighborhood of... 750,000 norums. Huh? You kidding me, Mac? 750,000... Get the heck out of here. I assure you I am completely sincere. Would you like some time to think about it, or do you accept my employer's offer? 750,000 norams? You don't mean seven norams and 50 pence to you. No. But you don't want me. I'm all out of shape. 
I'm half starved and haven't seen the inside of a gym in years. Go on and find somebody else. That is not a major concern of ours. There will be ample time for you to regain your strength and stamina and return to your proper fighting weight. How much time do I have? Approximately seven months. Seven months? Just where is this fight? On the planet Asimov 3. <laughs> I assume you would, after all, like some time to think about it, Mr. Doherty. Yes? Very well. You'll have approximately seven months to mull it over. Orson! And that's how we ended up on that crate. You can guess already that they didn't leave me much wiggle room on making up my mind, eh? <laughs> well, at this point in my story, we're now five months out from Oit. Traveling I don't know how many thousands of miles per hour. That guy what recruited me, he didn't come along for the ride. Lucky for him, because I'd have been using him for a punching bag every day. You can lay even money on that. Anyway, he didn't come along for the ride, but he told me after I was drug aboard that crate and strapped into a chair of some kind... Mr. Doherty, I'm sure you're quite curious as to how this ship will travel the necessary distance to Asimov 3 in only seven months. Well, I'm happy to give you that information. Along about the six-month mark, the SS Vonnegut will enter a wormhole that will eject you a mere 30 days cruising from your destination. Exciting, though. Well, I must disembark. Can't have them taking off with yours truly aboard, can we? <laughs> nice meeting you, Mr. Doherty. And happy trails. Exciting, no? That's what he said. Exciting, no? Well, he's exactly right about that. The whole trip was exciting... No. Well, it was nothing but training. All day, every day. Shadow boxing, weights, jogging around the track they had, skipping rope. Sometimes I wish I could skip the whole thing, you know. Didn't those people know nothing about movies, TV, radio, I asked myself? What I wouldn't have give even for a book or a magazine. And me never much of a reader either. And when I wasn't training, I was down there in that stinking cell. Well, they called it my quarters, but since I couldn't leave it whenever I wanted to, it was a cell, all right. Well, you probably know what I mean. Were you a fighter, too? Gotta admit, though, you ain't nothing like the guy I was locked up with on the trip out. I mean, for almost half a year, we were sharing a cell and he didn't hardly move, let alone talk. So I'd asked him, what's your story, pal? You a fighter, too? But no dice. Like a clam he was. Well, I didn't blame the guy, I guess. We all got our own way of dealing with stuff. Him, I guess he dealt with it by clamming up. But me, I'd bust if I didn't talk things out, even if I'm talking to myself, which, in a way, I guess I was doing. <laughs> so anyway, along about the fifth month of the trip, I'm gabbing away to my silent cellmate when... Good morning, Mr. Doherty. Oh, hiya, Sam. Is it morning? It is immaterial. There is no day, no night in space. If you say so, Sam. My name is not Sam. Why do you call me this? For the same reason you said good morning, I guess. This is acceptable. It is time for your physical training regimen. All right. Lead the way, Sam. 
I was going stir-crazy before you arrived. Stir-crazy, Mr. Georgie? Um, like cabin fever. I still do not understand. When a guy is locked up for a long period of time, he starts to go a little nutty. When I was a kid, a guy who was in prison, you said he was in stir. Why? Why not? And if a guy in stir starts to go nutty, then that's called stir-crazy, you see? And this is also called cabin fever? Yeah. But my sensors do not detect in you an elevated temperature. It ain't that kind of fever, bud. Are you suffering from a sore throat or other ailment? Skip it, Stewpot. Let's talk about something else. Uh, who's that silent character sharing a cell with me? My name is not Stewpot. Why do you call me this? You're made of metal, ain't you? Come on, come on. Who's a quiet kid? He is called Thag. He was collected in the Gamma Quadrant. He is silent, as you say, because his species is entirely telepathic. Telepathic? You mean a mind reader? In most cases, yes. Capable of picking up telepathic impulses from other beings and sending them. Huh. I ain't picked up those signals from the guy. Not all life forms are sensitive to such. <laughs> Good thing, too. I don't want no dang aliens creeping around in my skull. Such a lack of sensitivity may prove... Yeah? What do you mean, Sam? Prove what? We have arrived. Please enter, Mr. Georgie. Your physical training will commence immediately. Sam wasn't being cagey just then. He didn't have the capability. He couldn't lie and he couldn't fudge. It's just that when we arrived at the gym, he was pre-programmed to announce same. So I didn't find out until later what he meant by that unfinished crack. And boy, when I figured out the rest of it, well, let's just say I saw it as my edge and leave it at that for now. So you're probably wondering, so let me tell you a little bit about my bunkie, the guy which shared a cell with me. Thag, old Stewpot called him. He was a strange duck. The whole time he was in the cell with me, he was lying in his bunk, his eyes open but not looking at nothing, and covered up to his chin with the blanket they give us. I never see him move, and of course, I never hear him make a sound, so for all I know, he's disabled or something, you know? I mean, he can't be a pug, am I right? So another month goes by, and we're making our landing on the planet Asimov 3, but I don't get to see none of it, because we go in total darkness, straight from the crate what brung us to some kind of bunkhouse. Not much bigger than the cell I shared with Thag, except, thank the powers, I am alone this time. Training continues as before, but in a very nice facility, or at least nicer than they had on the crate. The trainers make all kinds of positive noises, like they're happy I ain't looking like no skeleton, and I'm back to my prime fight and weight, and so on. What else was they expecting, I asked you? Did they think I was going to welch on the deal and lose out on all them norams? Finally comes the night of the big bout. Trainer brings me to like a meeting hall to see a gaggle of reporters and photographers, you know, to show me off. People, ladies and gentlemen, you have met our challenger, Slugs Doherty, brought to Asimov 3 at great expense, 
and returned to his prime championship fighting weight. But now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you a champion from the planet, Bradbury 7. Thanks! Over on the far end of the hall, somebody pulls a curtain aside and into view steps the very guy I spent six months getting ignored by, Thag. He ambles across the floor, his head down, a silk robe across his shoulders so I can't see his face too good. He comes right up to me, and of course he don't say a word or look me in the eye, and gives me a quick grip with his right hand like a courtesy, and then turns away. The reporters all go silent, and Thag is silent too. So it all of a sudden comes to me that the gang is probably asking him questions telepathically, and Thag is answering them the same way. And me, I ain't picking up nothing. It's just silence to me. And believe you me, I am feeling fairly left out of the conversation. But just before I get a chance to feel sore about it, the whole thing breaks up. Thag goes off someplace, the press gang wanders off, and my trainer tells me to get a rub down and take it easy for the next couple hours before the bout. But can I take it easy? I cannot. I am kicking myself the whole time. How could I have missed the connection? How could I not have even guessed that this Thag was going to be my opponent in the ring? Of course, it had always looked to me that he was paralyzed or something, motionless, silent in that bunk. How was I to know that this was a species' way of conserving his strength? Even so, I should have known somehow. And all of a sudden, I get a flash like, maybe this is why Thag is a champ, because he can read the minds of his opponents, and he knows what they're going to do next, maybe even before they realize it themselves. And I know in that moment that I am going to go home in a box. And I ain't never going to have a chance to spend or even look at that 750 grand. Ladies and gentlemen, in the schedule, 15 rounds of boxing in the north corner. Wearing blue and yellow shorts at 86.1 kilograms, the challenger, Slugs Darty of the planet Earth. And in the south corner, wearing red and white shorts at 87.5 kilograms, the heavyweight champion of the planet Bradbury 7, Thang! There I was in my corner, surprised as hell to learn that they'd made a hologram of my old trainer and pal Eddie to give me encouragement and advice, and equally surprised to learn that about 80 billion pairs of eyes would be glued to their TV screens for the galaxy-wide broadcast of the fight. 
As I waited for the bell, I glanced to one side of the ring and seen the fight fans who'd bet on me lifting the roof with their wild hollering and then to the other side where the supporters of Thag greeted me with coarse, rude squawks and impolite remarks. Then it struck me to glance at the opposite corner where I got a really good look at my opponent from the neck down for the first time. I guess it's high time I described him to you. Well, he was the ugliest humanoid I'd ever seen. His nose was just two holes in his face, and his skin was yellowish-green and scaly, with tufts of spiky reddish hair here and there. On top of everything else, he had three arms, one right and two left. Why I didn't notice it at our earlier meeting, I can't say. I guess that silk robe was hiding it. And to cap it all off, something else I didn't notice. When he rose from his stool and we came to the center of the ring, I was disgusted to note that he was also cross-eyed. Good evening to our vast pay-per-view audience. This is Station Omega, Horsehead Nebula, Planet Asimov 3. Your announcer, Barry Grimes, coming to you live from the Edgar Rice Burroughs Arena, where two veteran pugilists are duking it out tonight for the heavyweight championship of the Orion Constellation. I'm joined at the microphone by my longtime announcing partner, Ken Schmillen. Hi, Ken. What can you tell us about our brawlers? Thank you, Barry. I'm glad to be here tonight. I think the fists are really going to fly with these two battle-scarred pugs. Our challenger, Slugs Doherty, former Earth heavyweight champ, is about 1.8 meters tall with a good reach and is in top condition. His holographic trainer, Eddie Coulson, tells me that he was working out right up to fight time. And his opponent, Thag, the defending champ, is approximately 1.9 meters and has a reach upward of 15 fathoms. <laughs> of course I'm exaggerating, Barry, but it's a long reach, and Thag is both a Bradbarian and a double softball. As many of us know, a Bradburyan from the Bradbury system has an acute telepathic ability, which of course helps quite a bit when it comes to avoiding punches from an opponent. But you also mentioned that Fag is a double southpaw, yes? Well, that alone should lead us to a very interesting display of pugilism, Ken. As you know, a southpaw does everything backwards. He leads with his right and crosses with his left. He sidesteps to the left instead of to the right. That's right, Barry. And from what I've heard, thanks to that second left arm, Thag can do a lot of other things as well. Oh, wow, he really swung on Doherty there just now. Yes, he did. It was a fast, hard, straight right, and then a wicked left swing right in Doherty's mouth. And Slugs did not like that, I can tell you. Yep, it seems like Doherty is not used to fighting a southpaw. So whenever he does anything, he gets Thag's right in his eye, or his mouth, or right on the nose. Whoa, and there was one of Thag's lefts. Almost ripped Slug's head clean off. Ken Slug's Doherty was always a fighter who depended on his brute strength, not on accuracy. He's famous for a forceful left hook. And if he could land it solid, he'd probably bust Thag in two. But Thag's straight right is beating him every time. It sure is, Barry, and there goes the bell. Ending the first round. And... Oh! Thag landed a final right just at the bell. That has given Doherty's left ear a pretty good mangle. The fighters are returning to their corners and... And we're back, about to start round three in our brawl between Slugs Doherty of Earth and Thag of Bradbury 7. Barry Grimes here for Station Omega, along with Ken Schmillen, giving you blow-by-blow -blow description of the Battle of the Planets. Ken, that was some second round, huh? It sure was, Barry. Our man Doherty was roundly thrashed by Thag in the second ending up with his eye half-closed and a deep gash opened up in his forehead. And there's the bell to start the third round. 
and the fighters come out of their corners and... Whoa! Thagas drops Slugs Doherty with a left hook to the body and Barry, that really looked like it hurt. It sure did, Ken. And the ref is stepping in, but he's up. Slugs is up before the referee could start counting. And there's a look of grim determination on Slugs Doherty's face that makes me remember other fights with this Irish-American Earthian who can take a lot of punishment, more than he's getting now, It doesn't weaken much, if at all. That's true enough, Barry. But Doherty, for all the beating he's standing up to, hasn't been able to land a single solid punch. I haven't seen technique in a southpaw like Thag has got in a long time. But is it the fact that he's a southpaw, or that he's telepathic? Giving credit where credit is due, though, Thag's style would make Jack Dempsey look like a one-armed paper hanger carrying a bucket. Well, that's very poetic, Ken Schmillen, since most of our viewers have probably never heard of Dempsey. And what's this? Do you see what I'm seeing? With less than half a minute to go in round three, Slugs Doherty has decided to go nuts. He's got his eyes squeezed shut and is tearing in on Thag, swinging wild and without regard. I'm not certain what his reasoning is for that, Barry, but Thag is coming in hard, pelting Slugs plenty. But Doherty isn't faced by the abuse. He's still swinging. And now he's made contact with a jaw, and the man is falling to the canvas, but... But... But it's not Thag. It's the referee. Yes, the ref is flat on his back on the mat. And Slugs Doherty has opened his eyes. And there's a look of great surprise and annoyance on his face. And now... Oh! Slugs Doherty was so distracted by his punch to the referee that he didn't see Thag coming in with a hard left to the jaw. And now there are two men on the canvas. And, just as Slugs was going down, he gave out with a wild, dying effort right, just above Thag's waistline. And now Thag is sinking fast, and... And there's the bell, ending round three. And Barry, it looks as if three men are down. This is a banner day. A red-letter day in the annals of fisticuffs, when three men are knocked out at the same time. You are absolutely right about that, Ken. Well, it looks like the trainers are dragging their fighters to their respective corners to be revived. And the ring announcer has a bucket of water, and he's pouring it over the unconscious referee. Ken, this looks like a good moment to go over to our sponsor, while the management mops up the mess. Thank you, Barry. Friends, does your orange soda taste like cough syrup? And just what the devil is that little maneuver all about? Are you trying to lose this match? Eddie, why I'd never consider doing a thing like that. But Thag's got some kind of thing with them crossed eyes of his. They're mighty distracting. The only way I could get past him was to shut my eyes tight. Well, you landed a good one on Thag's gut at the end of the round there, I guess. But the ref's only keeping himself perpendicular by holding onto the ropes. Thag's crowd think you're scared of their guy. And from the looks of things, they ain't too far off. I'll just choose to ignore that impolite suggestion, Eddie, as I value our friendship. I'm only being cautious as Thag is a southpaw, and it's taken me a minute or two to get used to his backwards way of fighting. But I think i got a plan for him. All right then, Slugsy boy. Let's see what you got. Remember, the earth is coming on Welcome back, fight fans. Barry Grimes here ringside with Ken Schmillen as round four of the Battle of the Planets gets underway here at the Burroughs Arena. Ken, it looks as if our two brawlers are spending a few moments sizing each other up. That's the way it looks to me too, Barry. And the fans on Doherty's side of the ring do not sound happy with their champion. Could that be because Slugs has only successfully connected once with Thag? Yes, Ken, but perhaps they don't realize that Thag might have been successful so far due to his telepathic ability as a Bradburian. Slugs may well be literally telegraphing his punches. 
That's a very likely surmise, Barry. Thank you for that. Now, it looks like our brawlers have decided to start fighting. Thad gives Slugs Doherty a feint with his right, and it was pretty clumsy. Slugs recognizes for what it was, a feint, and shoots his right with everything he has behind it. It lands solid but high. Thag staggers, and now Slugs throws a whistling left hook that takes Thag under the heart and knocks him down on all fours on the canvas. The referee is counting over Thag. And he's up again. Thag is on his feet on the nine, and has just dizzied Slugs Doherty with a vicious wild left swing as Slugs rushed in. Now the battle is really getting hot. Doherty is matching every left from Thag with a right of his own. There's a right from Slugs, two lefts from Thag, a right and a left. Barry, it looks like Thag is losing steam. His lefts don't have as much kick as Doherty's rights. And like a lot of southpaws, when they're groggy, they tend to forget they even have a right hand and stake everything they've got on their left swing. I'm afraid this may lead to Thag's downfall, Ken. Slugs Doherty is battering Thag across the ring, but look out! Thag has rallied and just threw a sledgehammer left hook into Slugs' mush. Wow, that really made the blood fly. Slugs is knocked back on his heels, but he comes back with another sizzling left hook under Thag's heart. Thag's knees just buckled and he lost his breath, but he's steadying himself. He throws a double left at Slugs' head just as Doherty crashes his right, and wow, they're both down again! They sure are, Barry. Both men are flat on their backs on the canvas, and the ref is counting over both of them. The ref is still a little glassy-eyed from his earlier encounter with Doherty's fist, and he's holding onto the ropes with one hand while counting with the other. And Doherty is up. He's on his feet on the six, but Thag is still down, and the ref is still counting. And that's it! That is the end of the fight, with Slugs Doherty the champion by a knockout over Thag. And what a fight it was! This crowd of fight fans is going wild, Barry. So I recommend we cut our broadcast short before something... Ow! So, in case you haven't guessed already, I won that bout. Huh? Well, no. Thag being a Bradburyan didn't mean nothing in the long run. Why? Well, it was like I was hinting about. His mind-reading abilities was useless on a guy like me. <laughs> yeah, after all them years in the ring, I guess my head just got too hard for Thag's brainwaves to penetrate. And naturally, once he came to realize that, he had to revoit to good old-fashioned boxing. After that, fighting Thag was just like fighting a regular southpaw, which was tricky enough, I can tell you, with that extra southpaw, but not impossible. <laughs> yeah, and Eddie, old pal, you was wrong about me, wasn't you? This was the one time in my life that my thick Irish skull worked in my favor. <laughs> That was One Way Rocket to Palookaville, an audio drama written, directed, and produced by Pete Lutz. Our cast consisted of the following players. Jason D. Johnson as Eddie, Jack Ward as The Stranger, Rachel Pulliam as The Crew Being, Paul Arbisi as The Trainer, Glenn Higby as The Ring Announcer, Jeff Billard as Radio Voice Number 1, and Lothar Tuppen as Radio Voice Number 2. 
with additional voices by members of the cast. The man who spoke to you, Slugs Doherty, was Pete Lutz. Music by Jason Shaw through a Creative Commons license. Sound effects were from the public domain, freesound.org and 63 Audio. This is John Bell speaking. This was a 63 Audio production, mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas, for the Mutual Audio Network. Sixty-three audio. This is mutual. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. There! That's how long 20 seconds are. The Center for Disease Control recommends you wash your hands for at least 20 seconds as often as possible. We don't think about it a lot, but more germs are transmitted by the hands than by any other source, so keep them clean. Soap and water for 20 seconds, and you'll help prevent the spread of COVID-19. And maybe some other nasty stuff as well. This was a public service announcement from the Mutual Audio Network.